This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Fix Your Finances is brought to you by AIA. Inside Story on BFM 89.9. Evening, you're with Lee Chui Lin and Sharad Kutten. Tonight, it is the first episode of Fix Your Finances, a four-part series where we're discussing the tools to gain financial freedom. We're starting off with learning to balance your budget sheet and how to do an honest assessment of your financial health. Okay, so do you have a question that you would like to ask a financial planner? What money or personal finance worries do you have at the moment that you'd like to share? That number to call is 7733-2900. Tweet us at BFM Radio and send us a voice note or WhatsApp at our U mobile number 018-789-8899. This is Inside Story. It is 6.09. So as mentioned, today is the first episode of Fix Your Finances. Um, in the following four episodes, we are going to be talking about things like your money personality, um, things like how to get the tools to invest, to protect your finances. But today we are starting things off by really just the basics in many ways, assessing your financial health, learning how to balance your budget sheet. And we've got a guest in the studio with us. We have Idam Idris, Director of Corporate Treasury Investment Services at WealthVantage Advisory. Idam, firstly, welcome to the show. Ah, thank you. It feels good to be back in the studio. So, um, if you have a question that you'd like to ask Idham, essentially any personal finance question, any money question that you've just been turning over in your head and you'd like to share, call us. It's double seven double three two nine hundred to call. You can send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Um, Idam, actually, we've been using the term, you know, health check and things like that. I, I thought maybe we could start with the notion of a financial health check itself. Um, what does it actually cover? What would it involve? Okay, so a financial health check is very similar to a medical checkup, right? And when you do medical checkup, there's levels to it. Uh, level one may be like your blood pressure. Uh, level two is a blood test where you look at your glucose levels, your cholesterol and all that. Uh, and similarly, you go on to further tests. You know, if you go to a hospital, there's things like executive screenings, right? They go through a whole gamut of, of tests for you. Similarly to a financial health check, there's levels to it as well, Right. So, um, like, for example, the most basic one is what we call a cash flow uh, report or a cash flow statement, like seeing the relationship between money coming in and money going out. So at the end of the month, do you have a positive or do you have a negative uh, in terms of your cash flow? So, so that's, that's, that's the, the simplest, I would say, uh, explanation of a financial health check. Now, we can go up in terms of further levels of, you know, what kind of, uh, I would say, checkup that you want to do financially. I, I'll, I can expand on that uh, uh, in, 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 uh, for the questions. Yeah. yeah, right. You know, I actually would like to see a retinal scan used to, to check <laughs> my, not just my, you know, my neuro health, but also my financial health. Okay. But tell us, what kind of documents do you need uh, to have on hand or to collect to be able to kind of have a full picture of your financial health? Yeah, so basically you can start with your um, bank statements, right? I think that's the that's the first, first document that you would need. Um, then you can move on to your credit card statements, um, your uh, EPF uh, statements, all your investment statements. Uh, I think the most important document that a lot of people don't know how to get or not aware that they, are, they can get is called the Secrets, right? Uh, which actually you can get it for free from Bank Negara, right? So it's something that you can register and you can actually download every month, right? So that shows like how much debt that you have uh, at, any, at any given point. Um, all this will paint the picture in terms of how healthy you are in terms of your financial. Now, um, I think the most important thing is can you gather all these documents and, you know, 
extract the data and then try to understand, you know, what are the relationships between uh, the numbers. Uh, that's depending on the competency and the knowledge of each person, right? But um, at the very least, you must know, for example, your payslip. Right, getting your payslip, and at the at the end of the month, how does that payslip relate to how you're spending on a monthly basis? Because I've I've had, uh, you know, sessions where I've I'm talking to uh, a person, and then they actually don't even know how much they earn. Can you imagine? So so I think that's very very important to to at least know. You know, when you get your payslip, you know what do you get. Or how how are you being paid? Like, or what are the deductions at at the very least? And then from there, move on to the next steps. Like, uh, what are the uh, tax deductions? What are the EPF contributions? All this. These are all the uh, the numbers that you know you really have to go through. And at the end of the day, uh, come up with a certain uh, I would say data point, right? So so having that data point is important for you so that at the very least you can know. Okay, as simple as a cash flow statement shows something that is positive or negative, but then there are other data points that you need to look at, right? And and I think this is what uh, you know for me personally as a financial planner, we are trained to look at uh, and actually point out. Oh, there's gaps here. Oh, there's a potentially problematic pro- uh, area here. You know, so so yeah, I think I think those documents that I mentioned is at least the start. Of, of where you could at least build up your your uh, or at least your financial health check. So maybe this is a loaded question to ask someone in your line, but is this something you can do on your own or do you need to do it with a professional? Um, I think it's very similar to when you look at your own personal health, right? A lot of people, they, they tend to focus on certain things. Like, for example, people understand BMI. You know what's BMI? Your metabolic body mass index. <laughs> body mass index. <laughs> yeah. So I stand on those machines every week at the gym. I should know this. <laughs> yeah. So the body mass index is actually just a relationship between your weight and your height, right? And then there's a number, and then whether that number is shows that you're overweight or underweight or something like that, right? So similarly, simple numbers or simple data points definitely you can do by yourself, right? Again, like I, I'm, I keep coming back to your cash flow. Like at the end, do you know that you're um, spending too much at the end of the month or not? That it's as simple as that. But then there, when when you go deeper, right, and that's where you actually need some a professional, where somebody that can actually point out those those interesting, uh, uh, I would say, uh, data points, right? Again, like for example, I give an example. Uh, debt service ratio, DSR, that's something that banks look at, uh, especially when they try to uh, assess you whether you're credit worthy, right? whether uh, they can give a loan to you or not. So, so that's something that we look at as well. right? So how do you calculate DSR? Uh, that's something that not a lot of people know. Maybe they need to Google. Or maybe they don't even know that there exists that particular uh, thing in the first place. So all these things... Uh, it's very important for us uh, so that at the very least, you do yourself, but at the same time, try to seek out professional when you want to go deeper. So I wanted to pick up on something that you mentioned earlier, actually, about how some people don't necessarily have the knowledge to track their own spending or even to understand things like um, their, their tax brackets or whatever. Um, who are the clients you typically see? What level of knowledge do they currently have? Because when you were saying that, I was thinking about you know people who s- start working and how when you look at your first pay slip, it can feel a little bit like, well, where am I supposed to get this knowledge or, or these tools to understand what I'm looking at? Right. Uh, I think as a start, um, there are many, many sources of information right now to the point that it might be even overwhelming, right? There's YouTube videos, there's TikTok shorts, there's uh, Instagram, right? Uh, I think as a start, it's okay to just, you know, try to absorb all this first because uh, it, I think uh, when at least you are showing interest, Right and trying to absorb some of the information, you're not going to get everything all at once, right? So you're just starting to you know learn the lingo, learn the language. Oh, cash flow, what's that? Oh, debt, what's that? You know, 
uh, what's assets, what li- what are liabilities, you know. So you you start to get used to the terminology. So it's 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 education. I think is very important. You 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 need to source this out. Um, but at a certain point, is trying, you know, trying to do or trying to understand or trying to track. For example, like how am I spending on a daily basis? For example, like uh, how much do I spend on lunch every day? That's that's a good start. Right, so 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 once you start to do this, then you can already start to oh, that's why you know at the end of the month, you know I don't have as much as I'm supposed to because you know I keep getting coffee every morning, you know something like that. So so is that realization and the connection between your actions versus you know the numbers, the 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 you know money going in, uh, money coming in and uh, money going out. Then you can start to relate all that. Coupled with that knowledge that you start to build up, then you can start to become more financially savvy. Before we get to the listeners' questions, though, um, I'd like to know, we have kind of laid the basics of what this health check is. When do you know it's the right time to run one on yourself? When do you know it's the right time to sit down and actually look through the numbers? Uh, I think similar to a medical checkup, you do you should do regular checkups, right? Like, I think... You know, past the age of 40, you're supposed to do <laughs> once, a, once a year, something like that. Um, but I think it's, it's uh, I think a lot of people need to be aware that you do need to do a financial health check, especially when certain life events occur, right? And, and when you're talking about life events, for example, uh, maybe you are considering changing a career, right? Or even getting a raise or a big bonus, for example, um, that's uh, certainly one life event that you know might need uh, recalibration of your finances. Um, marriage, I think, it's a very important life event where suddenly you're not managing a one person's finances; it's suddenly two persons, right? And how do you communicate to each other with, about money? Um, starting a family, definitely. You know, having a baby. Um, I would say starting a business, like if you're considering, um, you know, um, you know, I want to start a business in the next five years. You know, what does that entail? It's not just about learning about the business, but are you prepared financially for it, for your own personal finance, as well as the business financial that, that, that you're going to embark into? And then, of course, uh, early retirement or retirement or even early retirement. This is the most popular reason, I would say. For people above 40, when they come and see me, <laughs> how do I retire early? Right? Can I do it at 45? Can I do it at 50? You know, I don't want to work all the way at 55 or 60. I think that's the most common reason. And then um, I think the I think on the on the I would say the negative side is when you experience a financial shock, like um, a tragedy occurs or um, a mishap, or even like a job loss, for example, that's definitely a point where you need to do a, a financial health check. So, a financial health check is not just something that you, you know, are being so, uh, you know, fastidious, you know, just looking at details, looking at numbers. No, no, it's not about that. It's just, you know, uh, oh, so something big is coming up, or something big has happened. Let's just see where I'm at and see whether, you know, how am I going to go in the next, or how am I going to survive in the next six months or one year or even two, three years, for example. So I think that's, that's, that's the consideration that you might need to make. When you talk about early retirement, it's very triggering, brings tears to my eyes. <laughs> okay, so you talk about timing, like the when of it, but what differs from each of those moments? So what, are there different considerations that need to be made at different stages of life? Um... I think on a regular basis, if you just like not, um, I would say, when, when, when we're talking about regular checkups, I would say uh, from a financial planner's perspective, when we view uh, uh, the general public, we look at, at them at different, I would say, life stages, like uh, 20s to 30s, I would say, then maybe 30 to 50s, and then beyond 50. I, that's the most basic one. So when you start out at 20, you're, you're just trying to figure things out. You know, you're just trying to maybe start to save, maybe buy insurance, uh, maybe pay off some student debts and things like that. It's very rare that you're already looking to buy a car or maybe even buy a property. Maybe you're starting to save to get married, for example. 
um, so so those are like the small, I would say, financial goals that you're, you're looking at at, at that, that specific life stage. As you move to 30 to 50, that's when the big things happen, right? You're earning more income. Then you're trying, oh, uh, uh, you, you, you might be uh, buying a property or even two or three properties, you know, depending on your income level. And then you're already looking at, uh, should I invest here? Should I invest there? And then you get bombarded with all this, uh, you know, financial messages or investment uh, ads or people coming up to you and say, hey, buy this, this is the best thing ever, you know? So so that's when you're, you're looking at, okay, so what do I do, right? That's when a financial check is, is uh, at least will keep you grounded and make sure that, you know, you're, you're, you're on your way to your financial goals. And then after 50 years old, you know, you want to focus on a, maybe a comfortable retirement. Uh, maybe you're looking at, you know, how do I distribute my wealth? You know, if I build up a, a, a certain amount of wealth, like having properties, having a big uh, savings and all that, you know, and your children, like how do I distribute all that, right? Um, so, yeah, I think we, at different life stage. You know, as you go along, uh, these these things are happening to you, right? And doing these regular checkups helps you keep in check. So it doesn't necessarily mean, like I mentioned just now, uh, that specific life event, but it it does show that at different age, uh, I would say stage, at different life stage, you do need to do that on a regular basis. At the very least, as a start, two to every two to three years. But then, as you grow older, you know, you might want to um, do it more regularly. So we have a question from Ling, actually, which is uh, quite specific to what we're talking about in some ways because it's about age. So Ling says, I'm 50. I have some savings and emergency fund. Should I pay up one of my properties or should I invest in another property? Or do you have another investment vehicle to suggest? Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) That's always the question. (laughs) Um, I mean, as a financial planner, it would be irresponsible of me <laughs> to recommend any specific like financial products or things like that. Um, I think the most important thing is uh, try to understand like why you want to do certain things, right? So whenever these questions come up, uh, I always, you know, come back to the with a question, which is why. Why do you want to do that? I mean, what what does that achieve? Is it for a specific goal that you want? Like, is it um, maybe you want to um, uh, use that property to for a certain purpose. Um, is that new investment that you're going to make is supposed to achieve a certain financial goal? So knowing the objective is very important because the objective lays out certain things. Like, for example, how much risk that you can take uh, with that money. Um, what kind, how long? Is it like a five-year thing, a 10-year thing? Like buying property, is it like 30 years, 20, 30 years thing, right? So so, so that actually determines a lot. Like the why actually determines what kind of savings vehicle or investment vehicle might be suitable for you. Um, so a why that is requires fast money, for example, that you need money uh, quickly. A property might not be a good idea because a property needs like one or two years to liquidate, right? Comparing to something that is very long-term, that can really plan for a long time, that you can say, okay, before I achieve that, two years before I achieve that particular goal, I'm going to sell off this property, for example. You sound like a therapist. (laughs) I think that's part of the job, probably. Um, In the studio with us today, we have Idam Idris, Director of Corporate Treasury Investment Services uh, for Wealth Vantage Advisory. This is the first episode of Fix Your Finances. Um, Actually, it's going to end in a workshop that's happening on September 9th. It's going to be a two-month thing. You can join us by downloading a budget balance sheet. Uh, You head to bfm.my slash fix your finances to get that. In the meantime, if you have questions for Idham, any money worries you want to share, you can call, you can send a voice note or WhatsApp. You can also tweet us. Keep it here, BFM 89.9. You're listening to Fix Your Finances, brought to you by AIA. Breaking financial matters, BFM 89.9. It is just about 6.40 and you're with Lynn and Sherrod, along with Idham Idris, who is the Director of Corporate Treasury Investment Services at Wealth Vantage Advisory. This is episode one of Fix Your Finances, which is a four-part series in which we're talking about the tools to gain financial freedom. Uh, just a quick thing, though, because we are talking today about a financial health check, uh, along with balancing a budget sheet. We 
thought we'd also let you know that there is going to be an exclusive workshop happening on September 9th uh, as a culmination of the series. And you can join us by downloading a budget balance sheet that's at bfm.my slash fixyourfinances. Just head there and download it and start off because we are going to be referring to that throughout the series. So, um, Idam, we've been asking people for their questions, which by the way, Guys, you can keep sending. Uh, if you would like to ask a financial planner anything, if you've got a worry or just something that you'd like to discuss, now's really the time. You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine, and tweet us at BFM Radio. We have a voice note from somebody who wanted to remain anonymous. Here we go. Hello. Yes, I am actually looking for some advice now. What I'm looking for is currently I have an amount in my ASB, right? So, but from the returns I get from this ASB, so let's say I have 100k in my ASB, the returns are on average five to six percent per annum, right? Now, I'm been inkling with the idea to take that money out from ASB and instead. Uh, put it as a down payment on a studio apartment in a in a in an area like Sunway, right? That could give you uh, a good return on rentals, right? Now, obviously, taking that money out from ASB, let's say the hundred k, um, it, it's a bit scary because it might be it's a it, it could be my say life savings or at least seventy eighty percent of it, right? Would you advise? on this to go ahead or what would be your advice on this should I take the money out instead invest as a down payment in an asset like a studio apartment and rent it out and possibly get 2-3k to monthly returns obviously that amount would be used to pay back the loan from the bank but is this something uh, someone of my age with limited funds look into Anonymous, thank you. Um, so if you want to get back in touch with us and let us know your age, actually, I think that might be helpful because I don't believe you mentioned it. But otherwise, I think um, that's that's a question that a lot of people will be grappling with, right, Ida? Yeah, so this is exactly why you need to do a financial health check, right? Because then you would uh, understand uh, or at least look at into, you know, where you are right now, what your financial circumstance um, and, you know, how does that relate to your future goals, to be honest, uh, when we when we start with the financial health check, it eventually leads to a financial plan, right? And then that's where you're you're looking at those big life goals, whether it's for retirement planning, whether it's for you know children's education planning, whether it's you're starting a business or, or all those things. So the as a start, the financial health check just puts you, uh, you know, just gives you an idea of where you are, but then. Like in this in this specific question, that actually uh, actually ties into a bigger financial plan. Like, what is this supposed to achieve? For example, this particular question: What was the ASB for? For uh, initially, right? So, like, if I'm if I'm if I'm meeting this person, the first question was: Why did you save in ASB in the first place? Right? What was the reason? And he did mention it's like 70 to 80% of his life savings. So what mm. happens when you have all that tied up in property and that potentially leaves only 20% right, yeah. of, of the savings? So what happens then? What happens if there's a financial shock? Right. So, so you know, I start to ask these kind of questions, you know, and, and, and that's the part where if you can answer all this well and you can say, yeah, I, I have this ready, I have that prepared, you know, I have this in place, then the decision becomes easier and easier. But if you say, oh, I'm not sure, <laughs> oh, mm, uh, <laughs> you know, those kind of responses, then it becomes more tricky. Then, then, then you have to lay it out, you know, perhaps it's not the right thing to do. For right. example, actually, yeah. let me uh, just quickly follow yeah. up on that because I think uh, the sense that I got from listening to Anonymous talk talk his way through the question is also a little bit about risk, right? It, which is exactly what we're talking about. What if I put it all here and it doesn't pay out? You know, what if I, I choose the wrong kind of place? And so I, I guess my question is, when dealing with these sorts of big life situations, big life decisions, life savings, um, how do you factor in things like 
your own worries or anxieties around risk and how that enters in thinking about whether this is a good decision. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, a lot of people make financial decisions, especially with regards to investments. Sometimes it's not about even measuring the risk. It's about fear of missing out, for example, like, oh, they're doing it. You know, I'm not doing it. Maybe I should do it, right? So it's a different set of anxiety, right? Uh, so so uh, I think there's the logical aspect where you go through like a list of questions, you know, trying to find out, you know, what kind of uh, person am I in terms of uh, my willingness to take risks? Am I a balanced investor? Am I a conservative investor and aggressive investor? That's logic, right? But then there's other aspects that come into it, like... Um, I'm not comfortable with that particular type of investment, for example. Or maybe like I don't want to, again, like I come back to FOMO because that's something that a lot of people, especially during uh, MCO, the cryptocurrency sort of like boom, a lot of people got into FOMO, right? Um, so so that's something where, where uh, when you talk about the anxiety, the worry and all that, at the end of the day, when we come back to those deep questions like why, like, should you do it or not? Uh, at the end of the day, what's the goal that they want to achieve? And if they really want to go through it, right? So, so for example, some people, you know, I'm dead set on early retirement. I really want to achieve it. Oh, then you must do this. You must cut down this. You must invest in potentially a more aggressive or higher risk profile. Are you willing to go all this just to achieve that financial goal? Yes, for example, right? And then, they, then okay, let's do it. Let's go for it, right? So, so I think... All that has to come into play. Yeah? All those all those things that I mentioned needs to come into play so that you're determined or you're uh, passionate enough to reach that financial goal that you want. All right. So coming back to the financial health check and this question from Janet Han, I think kind of addresses that because I guess housing or assets that you have will be part of that financial check, right? So what Janet asks is how and when should you look into refinancing a house? How do you best manage a house loan? Ah, very good question. Wow, this sometimes can be a controversial answer as well. <laughs> um, I think interest rate is actually an important thing to look at, right? Um, and then uh, whether the uh, the the purpose that uh, I mean, the property that you bought is it for investment or is it for you know your own stay, changes the dynamic of the decision already, right? The interest rate definitely. Um, whether you have, for example, coverage, enough coverage for the property, right? Uh, some people, when I ask them, uh, do you have insurance for this, right? And they say, oh, I don't know. Let me check, <laughs> you know, and then they can't find the document, <laughs> right? Uh, so, so those are some of, uh, some of the uh, different things that you need to, to, to look at, right? And then at the same time, why do you want to refinance? Is it like to lower down the monthly uh, repayment, for example, or is it to finance something else, like maybe a children's education, or it can be like something where, for example, um, that person makes that decision to start up a business, and it's a very you know it's not a good decision, right? <laughs> that business is oh my god, that's that's not going to happen. You're not going to be doing well doing that. Is that a good decision to do to refinance, right? So so uh, when even when Answering that uh, that question of should I or should I not refinance, it always comes back to why do you want to do that? And then all the other factors that come into it, like all those different things that I mentioned now, the interest rate, uh, how much outstanding loan do you have? Do you have insurance coverage on that, etc.? So if we go back to the messages that are coming in, we have, um, okay, of course, retirement, um, people are asking about. So two messages both circling that. Stephanie says, based on the current inflation and value of ringgit, how do we factor or calculate how much is needed for retirement? D, meanwhile, says, is there a way to calculate how much money I need to retire comfortably? Okay, so um, I think a simple way to look at it, I think the simplest calculation that you can do is, first of all, you have to know how much that you need for retirement, right? what would be a comfortable amount to live by on a monthly basis, right? It's as simple as that. Um, so you can say, is it 5,000, 6,000? No, after, after, when you're considering when you're retiring, you have, you're supposed to have no more uh, loan repayments, right? So 
please don't buy a car when you're, <laughs> when you're close to retirement age, right? Um, uh, you're supposed to have all these things done and dusted, and you're just basically focusing on living expenses. So is it 10000 a month? Is it 8000 a month? Is it five? Is it three? Is it four? And then uh, think about like where the sources of retirement funds are going to come from. So most probably a lot of people will have from their EPF and their savings and potentially uh, land or property or some kind of assets, I would say, right? Um, collate all that. I mean, consolidate, see how much that, that's going to be. Um, and then to be safe, try to take 3 or 4% out of that. I think the popular figure has always been 4%, but nowadays, you know, we we want, we we even, you know, say even lower, let's say 3%. So example, you collate all that, and then it's 2 million. So 3% out of 2 million is 60,000. So essentially what I'm saying is that you take that 2 million, put it someplace that potentially can get higher than 3%, right? Don't put someplace that get, uh, exactly 3%. So it has uh, the return has be, to be higher than 3%. And then you live off of that. You know, So I like to paint the picture. Like, for example, you have a cow. Oh, sorry, a golden goose. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Slightly different. Very different animals. <laughs> right? one's, a mythi- one's mythical. What's potentially yes. millions. Okay. So, so basically, you have a golden goose, right? And you're just living off the egg. Right. Instead of you know trying to kill that goose and 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 uh, you know you're not going to get the eggs anymore. So so uh, once a year you get one golden egg. That's the sixty thousand that I'm talking about. So um, so uh, to put it simply, first of all, think about a figure that you want: seven, eight, nine, ten thousand. If it's eight thousand, that means it's nine hundred sixty thousand. Uh, sorry, ninety six thousand a year. Uh, divide that by 3%, you're going to come up with a, a big lump sum figure that you're supposed to live off of. So that that's when you see, oh no, like, how am I going to reach that? And that's when you're going to have to start to think about, you know, apart from the EPF contributions, apart from the assets that I have, how do I save more? You know, how do I figure out to to look at my cash flow and see how at which area that I can, you know, uh, save for the future. And then, of course, there is that, I would say, uh, balance, right? Because you're always, uh, you know, you, you don't want to live 100% in the future. There's always time that to live in the now. So how do you balance that? So I think that's, that's something that important uh, people need to uh, uh, look into. So we have a message, actually, that I think... Oh, no, actually, I think we've got a caller um, who's on the line with us. We've got Daniel. Daniel, good evening. What are your thoughts? Hello, hi. My name is Daniel. Uh, I'm 26 years old. So uh, I got suggested to invest in Unitrust. Um, so I'm wondering, is, is it a viable sort of uh, investment for me to uh, invest in, in this um, uh, structure of Unitrust? Or do I have to <laughs> go ahead and look uh, for other potential ways of investing my savings? So that is my main question. Uh, Idam, did you want to ask Daniel anything? Uh, no, I think I, I got it. Cool. Daniel, thank you so much. Um, so we'll answer, I suppose Daniel will listen. Yep. Okay, so so I think um, a lot of younger people will, will always have this question like, um, you know, what kind of investment should I go into? Is there like a best investment? like, uh, Or should I start something that, um, uh, you know, whatever product that might be recommended for them, for example, right? And if I were to go back to where I was at 26, for example, uh, what what I would do differently was that I think I would try to um, invest in an amount that wouldn't be a big risk for me. But I would do it regularly. I don't like the advice of investing just once, you know, I think investing regularly is an important, uh, important, I would say, investment strategy. And it should be done 
uh, with a uh, as a start, you know, when it's still trying to learn, it should be done with that amount that you. Sh- it's something that you can take uh, some risk with, right? So sometimes it doesn't necessarily mean a good idea to immediately put in like a big amount, like maybe even 20, 30, 40, 50% of your income as a start. You know, try it first and see whether that's something that you feel that you like or you want to 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 continue to put in more. Because to, uh, to be frank, there's a lot of uh, investment product and services out there right now, right? And you know, it might be good for you to uh, experience it and then learn about it, you know? Um, some people say it's like a, t- uh, a tuition uh, for you to learn, right? And for certain types of uh, investment product, it's uh, rather, I would say, especially the regulated ones, whenever you, you look into investing anything, make sure it's regulated by uh, Securities Commission and all that. Uh, but what I'm saying is that uh, experience it first rather than try to... Um, you know, have somebody come in and tell you, you know, invest 50% of your income, for example, uh, and then see whether that's something that you like to do more and more. And then then you can start to say, oh, this is what happens when, you know, that uh, that, that economic, uh, uh, um, I would say, event happen, you know, then you start to experience it for yourself. Uh, the, my, my, my whole point is that uh, do it with an amount that is, I would say, relatively risk-free. Yeah. In the meantime, if you have questions, uh, you can call double seven double three two nine hundred. You can send a voice note to zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Let's start off now with a voice note because we got one earlier from Roshan. Hi Adam, I'm getting married later this year, and my fiance and I have you know run through some numbers. We've you know talked about our assets and liabilities and had it all put on paper or at least. Um, discuss them so we're kind of aware of that uh i'm wondering if you know if there's anything else i should be considering uh that we should be considering as we head into our new life together um anything i may not have thought about or maybe you can share some uh, experiences or some common mistakes that you've seen that other people have done i think that could be really helpful as well thanks roshan and congratulations idam <laughs> uh i like this question a lot right because um i think uh, apart from just looking at the balance sheet, right, you do need to look at the responsibilities of managing money, right? Having this open discussion, who pays for what, for example. Um, uh, other things like insurance coverage, right? Is it the responsibility of the husband to pay for the wife? You know, these are frank discussions that 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 you need to have. Um, Having pro- uh, have owning properties, for example, what happens if something happens to either one of you? How does that property is going to be distributed, for example, right? So, so I think uh, in marriage, uh, people always say communication is important, right? Um, but when talking about money, it's like more doubly important because you've heard of the. Uh, you know, one of the highest reasons why people get a divorce is usually because of money, right? Sorry, Roshan, I, I don't mean <laughs> I don't mean that to be a negative thing, right? But what I'm saying is that even being open, being honest in terms of um, you know uh, how you spend money, whose responsibility is it to pay for this, pay for that? That's the kind of uh, I would say big discussion that a lot of people don't do uh, as a start when they get married. Yeah, so I want to ask you this question, though. You know, you talk about personal finan- uh, financial health check. That's for you. How do you ask somebody about their health? I mean, how, you know... When you're getting married. When you're getting married, because mm. it's, it's also a question of uh, uh, their privacy, right? Their privacy, what is... Uh, and can we demand that the par- our partners reveal all their assets to us? Um. I mean, when you think of it logically, you should, right? Because you don't want to get married and then you find out that, oh no, my partner is like severely in debt and I might have people, you know, banging on my gate demanding for for repayment or something like that. So I think it's important to at least, you know, maybe like suss out the, the red flags, <laughs> some people would say, right? 
and just see how they spend money, you know, make money decisions. I think it's very important. And maybe just, you know, ask a little bit here and there, just, you know, uh, simple questions like, oh, what, what, what do you spend your money on, you know? Uh, what are the things you like, you know? And then uh, I think, uh, and, and from there, like, do you have insurance? Like, I think it's these are basic questions because you're making a supposedly a lifelong commitment to each other, right? So you know, knowing uh, this information, I think it's it's vital nowadays. Um, it's I know I know it's uh, marriage is a matter of the heart, but uh, financial is actually a very important part of a, of a, I would say uh, you know something that that involves uh, the couple, the husband and the wife. So it's definitely a conversation that you do need to have at some point. So is it before you get married <laughs> or, or during marriage? Uh, that's that's how that's that that's when you can say, oh, you know, I you know I don't think we're having a con- honest conversation about about this area of our lives. We have a message from anonymous who wants to know what is the ideal savings a thirty-year-old person in Klang Valley should have. I think that's a good question. Um, I think, uh, I mean, we we look at what we call a budgeting model, right? And what is a budgeting model when 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 you're supposed to budget your your salary? Supposedly, it's thirty percent savings, right? Forty percent expenses, and thirty percent loan repayments. Because most of the time when, you, when looking at loan repayments, I would say financial institutions, they like it when you don't pay more than 30% of your salary for loans, right? So, so, so I think when you look at it, can you, can you do 30% or not? That's a question, right? Uh, so, so some people say, oh, it's impossible. My expenses is maybe 50%. Yeah, start, start small first. You know, start with 5%, but try to build that up. You know, as you as you you know move on, move along in your career, you start to get your uh, increment. So where do you where do you start to put your increment? You know, some people they they instead channel the increments into lifestyle, right? So then the expenses will never go down. But whereas if you start to channel a little bit into your savings, then it will start to grow and grow and grow. That thirty percent, where does the EPF come in? Ah, oh, good question. Um, I would say eleven percent of that. Mm. So, yeah. in other words, of your take home beyond taxes, beyond EPF, then we're looking at 19, 20, 19, yeah. 20, yeah, nineteen right. to twenty percent. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so this is the Susie Orman moment uh, for the evening. Uh, this is from Anonymous, uh, which I believe is not actually a name. Okay, so Anonymous says mid forties, a gross take home uh, annually is five hundred to eight hundred thousand. Both houses paid off. Cars all paid off. Thinking of buying a half a million ringgit car, is that too much? What do you think is the cars? <laughs> do you have any idea? <laughs> what, what, what goes for 500,000 Mercedes? Uh, a fair amount, I think. No, you, no. You've got a selection. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, so uh, on this part, um, you know, um, some people are afraid to meet a financial planner because they're concerned that we might tell them, no, you can't do that. <laughs> you know, don't do this, don't do that. You know, our job is not to be your, I would say, gatekeepers. Or super ego. Or the security <laughs> guard, you know, your money security guard, for example. Um, I think the most important thing for us is to ensure that do you have all the other life goals or whatever that you want to achieve is in place. That's the big important question. Is the emergency fund there? Is the uh, your retirement on track? Um, is the uh, children education planning on track? Any other things like maybe like for Muslims they want to go for Hajj, or maybe uh, what about your kids? Do you want to sponsor their wedding, for example? Right. So these are all the questions that we we, we get into. That so all this is done. Sure, you can achieve it. No problem. Then why not? Yeah, I mean, just so, I mean, half <laughs> half a million for a car seems a lot when you're okay. Sharad is anti car. This no, is no, a different no, no, thing. No. But his salaries, annual salary, is half a million. He says half a million to eight hundred thousand. That's a lot. Right? That's a huge percentage of your annual salary. Yeah. So so again, like I, I I then I come back to that question. Like for example, you have your retirement planning sorted out, right? So let's say we did the calculation. You can retire at sixty. All in, you can buy that that car. Now, here's the next question. Do you want to retire early? Mm. Right? So, 
So which one is it? Do you want to buy that car or maybe retire early? Oh, then maybe I want to retire early, right? And and start to to figure out a different aspect of the financial goal. So so I I think the point is that you know how do you look at everything holistically rather than just focus on one area or maybe you know don't consider so many aspects. You know if you really look at everything, I have a proper financial plan that actually helps you to make you know this really like I would say, uh, big decisions. Belinda wants to know, is it better for retirees to just keep their EPF to earn interest to sustain monthly expenses or should we withdraw and try to invest elsewhere for a better return? I'm getting a yearly dividend of approximately 60k, which is sufficient for me and I have passive income from rental. I'm not a high risk taker. I am 68. I think she answered the question already. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think that was a a, am I doing the right thing kind of question. I I want to ask you though that Everybody's told you must make your money work for you. Is that what is animating a lot of the questions that we're all driven by this fear that our money is not working for us sufficiently? Well, I, I think you have to consider that there's other aspects like, you know, people are concerned about inflation, right? People are concerned about the rising cost of living. So is my money really working hard? Um, to me, I would say that you have to look at two sides of the coin. One is the investment returns, but the other side is, are you saving enough? Right? And these are these definitely have to come in hand in hand because if you only consider one aspect of it, like for example, investment return, you are the prime candidate for a scam artist. Right? That That's where they tell you, oh, you can get like 2% a month or 5% a month or, or you know, a lot of um, WhatsApp uh, scammers, they tell... Uh, put in a hundred ringgit, get a thousand ringgit in five days. <laughs> mm. You know, so so you you're, you're like, oh no, oh yeah, I I really want to make my money work harder. I must go for the, for the highest investment return, whether that's a scam or not. Um, uh, again, like I mentioned, you're the prime candidate. But then you go to the other side of somebody who just saves money, right? Who doesn't like. I don't. I I'm not. I don't want to take any risk, like zero risk. So. Taking zero risk is actually a risk, <laughs> which is the risk of what? Inflation. Your money actually shrinking, right? Uh, and and you know a lot of people like they they like to play the story. Uh, they like to tell the story of putting your money under the pillow, for example, right? So that's also not a good thing. So there is you do need to balance those those both sides. But a lot of people they only focus on one one side only. So yeah, I think you know looking at both sides is very important. Save more. And also try to potentially get good returns, not necessarily fantastic or amazing returns. Yeah. This is episode one of Fix Your Finances. We have been talking about essentially assessing your money um, and fielding questions from folks who, at various stages of life, who want to know basically a variety of questions under that umbrella. But um, because we will have a budget sheet for people to download and follow along after this, I thought we could talk a bit more about that. Um, what will a budget sheet look like? What does it take to fill out? I mean, we said it at the start, but maybe it's worth a refresher. Yeah, so I think the uh, when you're looking at a budget sheet, you're essentially starting off with your cash flow. So how much you're earning, your incomes, your rental, your salary, your... Um, uh, any fees, any side hustles that you might you might uh, get income from, and then all your expenses like uh, your savings, for example, how much do you uh, uh, deduct for savings on a monthly basis, and where do you save it, uh, how much do you pay for insurance, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and then start to look into the expenses like um, you know things like how much do you spend for lunch in a day, for example, um, and then tabulating it. Know, putting it in a place where you can start to see whether at the end of the day do you have negative or positive cash flow. That's the that's that's the 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 most basic one. The idea is not to be. I think the idea is that when you start to do it, it starts to build up that you know decision making process. You know, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> maybe I shouldn't have uh, taken that coffee in the morning. You know, and, it, and when you start to track the the expenses or start to do this, you essentially start to make those big uh, small financial decisions or learn how to make the small financial decisions will actually help you to make those big financial decisions later. But starting this off is actually very, very important. 
You know, uh, one of the things that uh, I'm, I'm always struck by is uh, how little financial literacy there is in our upbringing. So this idea of being aware of what you have in the financial check, I think it's so important. I certainly am going to download this thing only because I think I need it. Even at 57, this would be really um, a useful tool, I think. Uh, I mean, for me... Um Having creating that awareness as a start is is the most important thing, right? And then downloading it, just putting that numbers in because again, like I mentioned before, some people even the incomes they're not even aware uh, how much income they're earning. You know, even when I tell this, a lot of people ask, "Really? I mean, they don't know." Yeah, they don't, right? So, so getting that awareness first, and then doing it on a monthly basis, like, okay, how does it look like next month? And the month after that, and the month after that, then you, then suddenly, wow, I have a budget, <laughs> you know. But what are common mistakes that people make when they fill out their balance sheet? Ah, uh, okay, not being true, to, <laughs> not uh, being honest. I had a suspicion. <laughs> yeah, I think like you know they they'll they'll make they'll start to justify certain things like, you know, I don't drink coffee that much, you know, and then they they start to look at the credit card statement. Yeah, exactly on the dot every day. Pom 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 pom. Uh, deduction uh, for for coffee, for example. So I think being honest in this uh, aspect is very, very important. Because at the end of the day, if you're not being honest on this, essentially you're just lying to yourself. Mm. right? And you're not there to impress anyone with the budget sheet. It's just trying to see where you are. So I think it's very important to, you know, really, really look into, you know, what are the spending that... Uh, maybe it's not, it's, it's not. It might have been a bad decision, but you know, putting that on paper and saying that, yeah, I'm responsible for that. Okay, so uh, how do you do the assessment? Because numbers are numbers, right? So how do you know you actually have a healthy uh, balance sheet versus an unhealthy one? Correct. Yeah. So this is come come back to the levels of financial health check that you can do. So at the very start, uh, when you look at the cash flow, you're just looking at something as simple as is it positive or is it negative, right? Um, uh, and negative means that you're spending more than what you earn. But then you have to uh, go to the next level, like your total assets versus your liabilities, for example. That that essentially is what we call your net worth, is it positive or negative? Like, do you have so much debt? And where is the debt? Is the debt in something that is uh, tangible, like a property? Or is it in, for example, personal loans and credit cards? You know, so so when you start to build this picture of your financial health, you, you, you can really start to see whether, oh no, this doesn't look too good, you know? And then that's where you can really see whether, okay, maybe I should see a... A professional about this and and see whether they can advise me in, in some ways that can you know uh get me in a more healthier situation so um idam you will be back with us in a couple of weeks actually but thank you so much for speaking with us today thank you so much for having me uh that was idam idris director of corporate treasury investment services at wealth vantage advisory uh idam will be back in the studio i'm very sorry to everyone that we didn't get to your questions uh there were a lot coming through um but We'll keep it going. And uh, the next time Idam is in, we will be talking about money personalities. That will be a fun one. And as a reminder, this is all part of a four-part series, Fix Your Finances. This is episode one. All of this will be happening over the next two months, ending in an exclusive workshop that happens on September 9th. You can join us in Fix Your Finances by downloading a budget balance sheet at bfm.my slash fixyourfinances. So get on it. You know, we've given you the kind of basic outline of how to do it. And next time, we'll all come back with our balance sheets ready to look at. Uh, you have been listening to Inside Story, BFM 89.9. You've been listening to Fix Your Finances, brought to you by AIA, supporting you in cultivating healthier financial habits. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.